You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey, Fem fam. Welcome back to another episode of FemRegard Podcast. If you're a new listener or subscriber, welcome. Welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Carolina Alvarez. And I'm Tessa Markle. And we're here, as always, to spill the production tea talk about our filmmaker experiences and bring on guests who really can empathize with the independent filmmaker and help us learn a thing or two from their own experiences. And we're also super passionate about using this platform as a space for giving a voice to women in the industry, diverse creators. So there are so many to learn from. So make sure you go back and listen to our other episodes because there's there's so so many. many. literally and by the way if you are listening right now on your favorite podcast platform we do highly recommend that you hit pause head over to youtube our youtube channel is just femregard productions and watch this video because it is a special video episode Mm -hmm. and we love to do this every now and then mix it up a little bit but it would not be possible without our awesome sponsors our awesome fans and our awesome patreons who have been supporting us and like i said make this all possible um and especially I want to point out those fans that aren't able to contribute financially. We still love your five star reviews on um, Apple podcast on Spotify now. So thank you so much for that. And we've got some really awesome sponsors this season. We've got Jambox.io. They provide so much amazing music, so many special effects sounds. Their library is so extensive and they're affordable. And then we also have got Celtics, which we've been using since the very start. It's a great script writing platform. They've got all kinds of, all your production needs really on one platform. You're all in one solution. Yes. For script writing and video production. So Jambox.io, Celtics, we love you. (laughs) Um, They really support the creators. So without further ado, here in the studio today, we have the horror and sci-fi film director of the films 12KM and Who's There, Mike Petchy. (laughs) <laughs> he is also the host of In Love with the Process podcast, also geared towards the filmmaker community. So oh, it's just the best. So on top of that, being a fellow East Coaster, a food lover, a chef, we just had to have him on because he's like basically our favorite kind of person, you know, <laughs> and, you know, listening to a show and hearing how the pandemic has been an isolating time for us podcasters. We just really felt that this was also the perfect opportunity to invite him here into the studio. So, Mike, Tetchy, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you? Yeah. We're good. Thanks for coming on today. We're excited to chat. I just love the fact that I'm out of my little cave and I get to come out and hang out with you. We dragged you out. We yeah. dragged you out. <laughs> I'm so happy. To, it's nice. Yeah. We've been listening to your podcast. Um, and just for our new listeners who haven't heard about your show, do you want to talk a minute about what it is about and sure. yeah, how that so, flourished? I've got a show called In Love With The Process, which is essentially um, just a show that catalogs what it's like to be an artist in real life. Because mm-hmm. um, most of what we get in this industry is the Instagram filtered version of right. what it's like to be a <laughs> filmmaker or photographer um and Mm -hmm. i think that the side effect of that is that it's really easy to get depressed pretty early on it's very easy to get discouraged really early on and i think folks have a certain uh view of what they think the career is supposed to be like what the lifestyle is supposed to be like Mm -hmm. and the realities hit you really quick um Mm -hmm. and uh i remember when I was younger, I expected, you know, in my 20s, like 22, 23, I'm like, okay, so I've come out of film school. <laughs> I'm now going to go Spielberg this and yeah. make this really amazing. And um, it was a pretty hard reality to sort of swallow and just go, look, I have to go back to the beginning. I have to learn all my tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take eight years, at least eight years, before anybody knows who the hell I am and what it is that I do. Um, and so yeah. early on, I was constantly aggravated and depressed and fighting that depression um and it wasn't until i just sort of realized hey this is normal this is what it's supposed to be like (laughs) why don't i just take a moment to enjoy the entire process of what this is um and now fast forward to where i am now i realize that 
I direct probably 2% of my time. Mm -hmm. The rest of my time is prep and writing and mm -hmm. researching and like networking. And so the other stuff is what most of my life is. Yeah. And so uh, I've just Which been... can be really hard for creators to yeah. comprehend that I don't get to do this thing I loved so every day. much yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all, really. Yeah. And then Yeah. Um so then what I found when I was younger, I was hunting around because there really was an outlet for it. And so you're like you're listening to like yeah. DVD commentaries and you're kind of listening between the lines and between like I'm really good at what I do, but then it's like, yeah, but then I had this weird moment where I felt insecure and Yeah. And so I just uh strove to do a show that I would have guests on and I would have guests on that are not coming on to promote something, which is actually really difficult to book people because yeah. most people are like, I've got a new series. I want to come on and talk about it. Mm -hmm. I grab them on their off time and I go, just come in and talk. Yeah. And let's talk about what life's really like and what, how have you survived? And it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. Yeah. That's like similar to what we've tried to find with guests too, that are people who are working on their craft and they, they are not celebrities some of them are but you yeah, know yeah. it's it's not about being a celebrity it's about loving like you said the process they're actually getting to do what they love in some form because mm -hmm. like you said there's there's the whole process of it but it's yeah it's about them being really finding a place where they can keep doing that because sure. that's where i think for me i i find that's a really big hard challenge is to keep doing things in the industry related in a way and then i think the truth of it is it's no it's not like that all the time it's really hard to keep yeah. that up yeah yeah so and then you're also time. dealing with like your mental health um mm -hmm. and that like well this all kind of stemmed from i don't know if you've, you've probably heard the story if you listen to my show this stemmed from years ago me almost dying so like i had the story is this. Oh, no, I think I missed that one. You ever no, heard no, this? I wanna, no, no. All right, so I'll tell you, <laughs> right, grab my little teacup here. And I'll, I'll tell you the story. So uh, <laughs> years ago, I went on a date uh, with this girl, and uh, I had known her for a little while. We were friends, and she's like, let's go on a date. And uh, uh, she had bullied me into going ice skating. And mm -hmm. I've never put ice skates on in my life. I'm from Boston, from the East Coast. You would think that I would have figured that out. <laughs> I have no sense of balance. I'm terrible at this. Um, and so I had avoided this for a while. And she yeah. had kind of brought it up a few times. And I'm like, sure. And then I, I get that one that one phone call where she's like, well, you haven't done what I want to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. And so uh, we go to Frog Pond, which is downtown Boston. Big, big ice skating rink. It's mm -hmm. like you know, the epitome of a romantic movie kind of thing, you know, snow flurries and kids on the ice. And and so I'm strapping these blades mm -hmm. onto my feet and I uh, sneak out on the ice and she's towing me around and she's pulling me around and she's like, isn't this fun? I'm like, it's really not. <laughs> fun for you, maybe. Yeah, yeah, not for me. It's really not that fun. Yeah. And I feel like completely emasculated as you pull me around the ice. <laughs> I just imagine like the scarf trick. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Like, just... so, yeah. So I looked at her and I said, just skate off enjoy it and i'll figure this out i'll figure out how to do this so she <laughs> skates away and i look at this little 10 year old next to me and i watch uh him push off and i'm like okay got it so i do the same thing but i slip and i go completely back and i land on the back of my head <gasps> and the last thing i hear is an old oak barrel crack and i'm out yikes and so then and i take it the old oak barrel is uh is the, the cabeza old... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cc yeah, yeah. okay the amount of songs and sound effects on Jambox is insane. I can't believe these are almost all exclusive to their database. Plus, you can use the stems to make your own. So many resources. Uh, it's wild and affordable. For the kind of indie films we make, we're probably only ever going to pay between $9.99 and $19.99 a month. That's cheaper than a lot of music we've licensed in the past. And the composers that created this music work for huge studios and creators. We're talking directors like Scorsese and global brands like DJI. That's huge. <laughs> yep, that's how you know they're good. And because they love creators, they gave us a discount code to share with our fam. 10% off with code FEM10. Aw, how sweet. We love working with companies like Jambox that actually care and know what creators need. 
connecting filmmakers with ridiculously good music and sound effects. So check out jambox.io and remember to use our code FEM10. That's F-E-M-M-E 10. Tessa and I are really excited to have Celtics as a sponsor for the FemRegard podcast this season because fam, we've been using them for years and love their services. Their all-in-one script writing and video production planning tools are used by media creators around the world, and there are lots of reasons to love it. Celtic Studio is cloud-based, meaning your project files are centralized, automatically backed up, accessible from anywhere on any device, and are completely secure. From scripts to reports, all documents follow industry standards, so you can trust your work is production ready. All tools in the Celtic Studio are interconnected to create a faster and easier to manage pre-production workflow. And Celtics is built for collaboration with real-time collaborative script editing, secure sharing links, revision tracking, and comments features. Head to Celtics.com, that's C-E-L-T-X.com to create your free two-project Celtics account. When you sign up, you'll get unlimited access to Celtics's full suite of tools for your first seven days. Celtics, the all-in-one solution for script writing and video production planning. So I'm out cold, and yeah. uh, she tells me <laughs> she tells me the story how uh, the people that ran the ice rink didn't want to close the ice rink down, so they just skated out little orange cones and put orange cones around me. Oh as no! I'm on the ice. <laughs> And, and so that she begged them to call an ambulance, and the ambulance came. Do you have pictures? Ah, she doesn't have pictures of that. I wish she did. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. Oh, my God. Uh, so then the ambulance shows up. Uh, uh-huh. I wake up in intensive care. I wake up to a doctor staring at me. He's got a flashlight in my eyes. And he's like, okay, so here's the deal. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You've cracked your skull. You're bleeding internally. There's a hematoma forming on the top of your brain. And normally what we do is we drill into your skull to release the pressure, mm-hmm. but it's on your main blood vessel. So if we drill just a skosh too deep, then you bleed out and you die. So we're going to sit here and see if the bleeding stops and you should call your family and we can't let you go back to sleep and et cetera, et cetera. Shit. So uh, went to this process of five days in intensive care or something like that. And it was hallucinations because I couldn't sleep. It was yeah. all sorts of crazy shit. You were like, we're not allowed to sleep for five days? They, they, yeah, they would come in and wake me up, and it was crazy. Um, and so then uh, she stuck with me the whole time, which was great. She's there, and one of the reasons why we're together and I love her so much is that she was just so cool. It didn't make it about her. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations before, but you understand why the people are around you. Mm-hmm. You know, you quickly understand. Once people start to come in, I can't believe this is happening to me, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm the guy in bed with the, <laughs> right. with the head injury. Um, so she was awesome. Uh, and then she had to like m- meet a lot of my family for the first time that way. Uh, That's also really like overwhelming crazy. and yeah. crazy. Very crazy. Her. Hey, and, I took yeah. your son on a date. He almost died. So nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we went through this whole process. And um, side note, I was like so fascinated with my hallucinations because I love scary things. And one of the things I love to do is experience a scary thing and then understand how I'm experiencing it so I can translate it later. So there's all this recorded footage of me just like going, take out your phone. Let me tell you what I'm seeing. And I would tell her like, yeah. all this stuff. Oh my God. Um, and then that uh, thrust me into, so the bleeding stopped and that thrust me into about five months of recovery from like concussions and everything else. Mm-hmm. I can't understand how football players do it. I literally fell on my head and I was yeah. out for like five months. Um, so in that time period, I got to write uh, early version of who's of uh, 12KM that really sort of stimulated everything. But it also, I had this moment where there was two or three times where I thought I was going to die. There was a bunch of things like you can't sneeze. Like if there was mm. a period where like if you sneeze, you can start bleeding again and then you might die. And I was staying at my parents' house and uh we're sitting there and my mom was like super nervous about everything and she's like you can't sneeze you can't do shit and i'm in the other room and i sneeze and everybody loses their shit like Uh. i'm like oh my god and like they're like oh my god you're gonna die you know and so like they drive they live on the cape in boston so all the way down on cape cod and so they drive me to the they drive me to the hospital there which is kind of like podunky you go in there and it's like (laughs) It's not like George Clooney is the doctor. It's like the Muppet version of George Clooney is the doctor that comes to treat you. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
he comes in and he's like, oh, you might have, you might have, you might be bleeding, but we can't tell here. So you have to drive an hour and a half. <laughs> oh no. Back to Boston to figure out if you're going to be dead. And that ride was so quiet. Yeah. Cause like my girlfriend's in the back seat, my mom's in the front seat. No one wants to address the fact that I'm potentially bleeding out. And everybody's like trying to be nice. And I'm just sitting there reflecting on my life as I drive for an hour and a half to go get yeah. the bad news. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, so I've done really well. I've got a great family. I've, I've had a great career directing music videos and doing all this stuff. I've done really well. The only regret I have is that I haven't done a feature film. That's it. And so like if I get through this shit, then uh, that should be my goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it turns out that the Muppet George Clooney didn't know what he was talking about. I was totally fine. <sighs> this whole day of like, you're going to be dead. Yeah. Happens. You know, <laughs> if you're like, you're walking out of the, the hospital and my mom's like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, yeah. let's get a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that moment really sort of, I think that's like a watershed moment for, uh, how I started to see my life. And prior to that, as I was thinking about it, I would just look back on my life on like these different flag posts that were set up. And it was usually like, hey, that was when I did this job, or right. that was when I got to work with this person. But they were so spread out. And I'm like, what happened in between mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. flag posts? It was just wasted time. And so after that, I'm like, I, why am I wasting like 90% of my life waiting for another flag to go up? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't always have control over, you know, when the jobs come, when you get to work, especially in a business like this. So, right. Yeah. And if that's the epitome of it, and I say this to folks all the time. I'm like, if you're in this business to get on stage and go, I did it, you're going to be fucking miserable because yeah. you're going to get up there finally and you're going to feel good for about three minutes. And then you're going to step off that stage and go, well, now I'm unemployed. Yeah. I'm not special anymore. <laughs> and then you go into depression. Where are the friends and family that I've maybe neglected or exactly. like, you know, it's, it's really, it's hard because you feel you, I think you put a lot of, it's easy to put a lot of value on just those moments because it takes a lot of hard work, dedication, concentration, yeah. Yeah. because you do need, you need the focus. Well, like, you have to brainwash yourself. There's this period of time right. where you're like, this has to be everything for me because you're turning your back on any sense of normalcy right you know yeah it's like you there isn't a system in place where it's like okay i want to be a firefighter so i'll go to fire academy i'll go do ride-alongs and then i'll work my way up and then i'll be a firefighter that shit doesn't exist for us yeah and there is no one yes. path there is no <laughs> yes. answer yeah it's, it's different for everyone struggle. yeah and that's um what i wanted to also ask you because we we didn't go to film school we're actors first mm -hmm. and then have learned by creating our own work this whole production process loving producing and like writing now ourselves but it's it's been a journey but i'm always curious like hearing what you've said about your trajectory even film school it sounds like it didn't fully prep you no no so film school when I was young, the, the story behind that is that when I was a kid, um, I was a terrible student, absolutely terrible student, <laughs> and I hated to read, and my mom was concerned by this. And so one day she went to, I think the drugstore or something, came home with a stack of comic books, and she's like, at least read these. Yeah. She like threw comic <laughs> books at me. And then um, as I went through school, I was so bad at school that I was getting terrible grades. So I was grounded the whole time. My parents were like, Okay, your grades suck. You can't watch TV until your grades are good. I didn't see any television from like <laughs> middle school through like high school. So it was like I was completely out of it. And all I did was read comic books. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, I want to be a comic book artist. So I was sketching and doing all this. I didn't know this part of the, your story. Okay. I knew you loved, you like read Sony, you're such a fan and like wanted to be a comic book artist. I wanted I to be one. Yeah. Didn't know it was a reading mm -hmm. thing. I don't know if I'm like semi-dyslexic, whatever. So it doesn't I, matter. It doesn't matter. So I, I go through the process of applying to an art school. Mm -hmm. Of course, I didn't get in because my grades were shit. And that was like a heartbreaking moment for my mom where she's just like, you're going to be fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah. You Poor didn't mom. get into school. And I was just like, I don't care. Like, I was like that kid. Was like a, yeah. And I was working in a music store at the time. I'm, like, I'm just going to work in a music store forever. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Not uh, what mom wanted to hear. Yeah, and she no. was just like, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, I'm out of here. Um, 
And so I worked at a music store for years, really loved that. I loved um, introducing people to music and introducing people to like emotions and how music sort yeah. of timestamps emotions. And so then I'm like, I think I'm gonna go to school for radio because then I can be a DJ and I can be introducing music to people. So I went to a community college and uh, I remember I had my first radio show late at night. It was like 3 a.m. on yeah. the, 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 the local access thing. And uh, the general manager comes in and he's like, okay, here's the deal. So at the top of the hour, you can play any of the CDs that have a green sticker on them. And at the bottom of the hour, you can play any of the CDs that have a red sticker on them. And I go, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like <laughs> we have like all these different like uh, internet programs that are gonna now be playing music. And this was back at like 2000 or whatever. Mm. I'm like, this is a dead end fucking job. Like, why am I doing this? Mm. And I happened to be taking a film course for credits. Mm. And I remember going into this film uh, program and we were watching movies essentially. So we watched like Citizen Kane, we watched Blade Runner, watched a bunch of movies for the first time. Yeah. And prior to that, I always tell this story and a lot of young kids are like, what were you, an idiot? <laughs> prior to that, I just didn't even think about how movies were made. And this is way before YouTube. This is way before like most filmmakers sort of patting themselves on the back and showing you how they make stuff. It was kind of a secret. And I didn't think that like Indiana Jones was in my TV box, but I just didn't care. I was like, yeah. it's a movie and this is really cool. So when I was in this film course, the professor was like, what do you think about the wardrobe? And what do you think about this? And I went, it was like light dawning on a head where I go, there's someone that is hired to, to put clothes on these people. There's someone that's hired to do this stuff. That's fucking crazy. And I realized that it took everything that I loved, the telling a story on a 2D image, which is the comic book world, mm. and then introducing emotion through sound and introducing emotion through music. I went, this is what I want to do. Mm. And so I went down to my, I guess, guidance counselor or whatever they call it. <laughs> Whatever they called it. The good old days. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's all ridiculous. And so I get out and I go, I want to be a filmmaker. So let me change my studies to film. And he goes, all right, uh, that's great. But it'll be about two years before you can pick up a camera because you have to take all of this accredited course oh my stuff. God. And I'm like, how much does each one of these classes cost me for the accredited course stuff? And he tells me how much they cost. And I'm like, and you need me to do this so that your school stays accredited so that you stay accredited for this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm essentially paying you to stay accredited for this. And yeah. he's like, this is the way the game is. And I'm like, fuck you, I'm out of here. And so I left there and I did a lot of research at the time on film schools. And a lot of the film schools were the same deal where it's like, you go to like Emerson at the time and uh, you might pick the wrong thing out of a hat and be a fucking boom up while your classmate is directing a piece. Yeah, and you yeah. you're still paying the same tuition, mm -hmm. and I'm like, why am I why am I do this? Um, and so I found the early versions of New York Film Academy back in the day, and they had like very short uh, filmmaking programs, and they claimed that I could immediately get my hands on a camera and immediately start to make movies. Um, and so I went to New York. I had never been to New York. I moved to New York. I moved to a city that I had no connections in. Mm -hmm. And I was forced to produce four short films and I had to work on, uh, there was three other guys in my group. So their films as well, uh, which was crazy. And I ended up aiming more towards the cinematography aspect and I was shooting all their pieces because no one gave a shit about that. <laughs> they just all wanted to direct? Ex oh, direct yeah. or act or whatever it okay. was. And so then yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shooting a lot and uh, the school really didn't teach me how to direct. It taught me how to produce. And mm -hmm. so I learned how to like produce in a city that I had no access. Um, so did I go to a real film school? Mm. <laughs> Is this a promotion for those guys? No. Yeah. I'm mad at them, so. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a promotion. I mean, it, if anything, it was just. <laughs> They're not paying my crew, so I'm not happy with them. Oh, okay. So There we go. They, <laughs> there's a lot of scammies. There are a lot of scams yeah. out there. There yeah. are. So it's just, it's always interesting we ask because film school could be great for, I think, certain individuals. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say every single person needs to do it. We're not, we didn't go through that. That wasn't our path. But I just think 
a lot of it does procrastinate the time you could really be out there mm -hmm. learning the skills sure. you really need to learn, like producing and then getting your your like equipment, understanding that whole world. Like, yeah, sure. Actually, just doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And I, I think that uh, I get this question daily. Like, should I go to film school? Should I go to film school? Should I not go to film school? And I think it, the answer is very personal to you. So I've spoken to folks that are like out in Nebraska, out in the middle of fucking nowhere, and there's no such thing as production, and there's no community for production, and I'm like, eh, it might be worth your time, because then you're gonna go to a space, have a reason to go to a space, maybe even room and board at a space that has other people that are gonna do productions, that exactly. have like a community of other filmmakers. And what you do is you're gonna meet a lot of these young filmmakers that will stick with you for your whole career. Mm -hmm. And so one of the benefits of doing the New York thing is I met a handful of guys and they've done really well. Like one of the guys went off to be a page at NBC and then a producer at Saturday Night Live, like all that kind of stuff. And they had asked me after film school, hey, do we want to room together and get a place here in New York? And I had a different plan and I was going to go back home and independent filmmaker. But for someone that is coming from a community that doesn't have that, that's kind of where it's worth it. And at that point, totally. Look at how much it costs. Be like, all right, is it forty five thousand <laughs> this year for me to like make new friends and to do this sort of thing? And if you're in a community or a town that has filmmaking, then why not spend twenty thousand dollars on a short film that year? Yeah, right. And like do something that rounds up people and, and brings them together. And um, so it isn't a straight answer for for everybody. I yeah. completely agree. You know? It's just like. It's definitely interesting to hear like both sides and people who have and hadn't and and that's what's cool about podcasting, um, getting to do it virtually this past couple years. Um, I can't believe it's been this long now. But uh just hearing from filmmakers from all over the country and how they're doing it in their small hometowns and like yeah. getting yeah, their crew and teams together. Literally, like the smallest hometowns and they're making it happen. So it's definitely possible, but we do love being here in LA and having the access that we do. Of course, <laughs> of, of course. course. I mean, and like I'm talking to friends of mine that are in film school and it's like, oh yeah, the professor just puts on Film Riot or, or like put something on the internet. And I'm like, get, get out of that program. Right. Like that's absolutely a waste of your time. Because you can do that yourself. Right, you can learn all of the stuff that you need to learn. Ooh, let me want me to come a, closer. A, yeah, let me come closer. I'm like, there we go. There we go. Oh, we get in the last. I like it. It's fine. Good okay. to the last drop. Um, but you can learn all of the basics by just being patient and going through like a, a smart YouTube search. Yeah. And you can learn how to like edit. You can learn how to shoot. You can that's, learn all that stuff. That's how I learned editing was YouTube college. Yeah. Mm. Nothing wrong. I mean, nothing. I work with, I ran a post-production studio for quite some time, <laughs> and I work with big people that are like, how do you do this? I don't know, YouTube it. Yeah. You know, and they just pull it up and they go, oh, this is how you sync this audio. Okay, got it, boom. Right, especially today too. I mean, you know, years ago when we didn't really have YouTube, maybe it made more sense to go to something like film school because you just didn't have access to sure. the kind of stuff that we do today. But yeah. yeah, it's now you've got YouTube. Now, if especially if you are in a place like LA or New York, you're surrounded by people that can take you out in the field and show you how to do it, you know, show you how to use that camera, whatever that you can't afford maybe to get on your own yet. Sure. And yeah, so there's so many opportunities. And it's not just LA or New York anymore. It's yeah. like, Louisiana, yeah. it's Atlanta, it's Boston, it's like, uh, it's always been Vancouver, but like the, wherever the tax incentives have sort of spawned these really great little film communities, you can learn a fucking lot from yeah. these folks. And you can go yeah. work, I, I say to everybody, go PA, like go be a PA on a movie, go learn how movies are made, and then as a PA, as long as you're a cool person that is reliable, that isn't on your fucking phone all the time, then you can actually start to make connections with yeah. folks. And ask people what they do. Yeah, hell yeah. Like, I, when I was UPMing a project, that's what I did because us being so small and independent on our own short films, we didn't, we, like, what, crew of three people? Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. so small. So then learning, like, I, I, I seriously didn't know what an AD did. Like, I mm -hmm. thought they, like, helped direct and 
they, they do not direct. Assist the director, like the name would suggest. Yeah, yeah assistant yeah. director. No, so I I saw the AD like had all this this huge binder like going through it all, and I was like, I you know when it wasn't chaos, I just went over. I was like, what is it that you do? What are you like tasking? Mm-hmm. And he he was showing me everything, and it was it was just really cool. You can find those moments to really. You know, be a cool person, like you said, first, be yeah, respectful. 100%. And then ask questions there. He was more than happy to, like, take me through his whole process of doing the line schedule of, like, sure. all of that. Because I'd, I'd learned some things on my own, but I just didn't see it. Like, being on set, I got to see it in action, which was really cool. That's what I love about this job. This job is, like, this really fun merging of of crew mentality and, like, blue-collar labor and then artistry. And this is fascinating merging in them both. When I was a kid, I used to paint houses. I used to be a mechanic. I used to work in that kind of stuff. All right, AD was in construction. Yeah. He was a project manager. And <laughs> so it was cool. I, I helped people. Stuff. I sold um, appliances and fixtures for con- two project, you know, construction, construction and designers. So like I had like all my producing skills from project managing on that end. Smart. <laughs> so yeah, Smart. it was crazy. Yeah, it's cool. And then you you blend these two worlds, which I I think are really great. Um, And I think the the difficult thing in our business is um, figuring out a way to manage your ego. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it really is because like you need to have a you need to be confident. You need to have some sort of ego for confidence. Uh, You have to be able to sell yourself, and you have to able you have to be able to create a story that uh people find appealing and inspiring to follow you into like 15 hours of hell i always say like directing is is uh is captaining a submarine that has holes in it and mm. so then you just get into the submarine with a crew and you start to go under underwater and the crew's like you know there are fucking holes in the wall and you're like no there's not and you're yeah. running around trying to like <laughs> we're gonna be fine we'll get it we'll get we'll get through it and so it's all about checking your ego because you have to sell yourself and you have to be this thing on the business side, but then you immediately have to ignore all of it. You have to ignore all the good press. You have to ignore all that stuff. You have to yeah. surround yourself with people mm. that are willing to go like, come on, dude. Right. Like that's what you need is like to walk in a room and, and start to say something and they go, so you're full of shit today. And you go, oh yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Cool, 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 And cool. then you just sort I hear of, you. you bring it back down. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, fuck, okay. All right. So. What are we doing today? Oh, we're just playing in front of a camera. That's all <laughs> yeah. we're doing today. Okay, got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> that is very true. It's like you you can't be humble because you do have to you yeah. have to convince people that you have, to lead. You have confidence you have to and know you have, how to you know. Lead yep. yeah. But then you have to have zero ego when it comes to your actual work. So yeah, it's yeah. it's very difficult. Yeah. Cause then you're and then you're also dealing with the mental anguish mm-hmm. that is required to to make this stuff happen where people if you're trying to make a movie happen, I don't know how many times I've had phone calls. I've had my agents and stuff call me on the phone, applauding and clapping. Congratulations. And yeah. you're just like, what the fuck is going on? You've done it. You've made it. And I'm like, made what? And yeah. Like, like we, we, we're going. I'm like, is the contract in place? Is it going to happen? And then like two hours later, they go back and go, oh, no, no, never mind. It's not going to happen. And you're just like, you're just this. And so it really fucks with you yeah it really does and you start to have like this weird post-traumatic stress mm. mm-hmm. fucking thing mm-hmm. and then it dependent upon the type of person you are and what your coping mechanisms are you're you're then either translating that into hard work i guess or you're translating that into like ego and then there's a chip on your shoulder where it's like you don't know what i've fucking been through mm-hmm. to get here and then those people start to turn into monsters and those yeah. people are those crazy fucking monsters, you know? I mean, that's the thing with this business. It's like you can't get jaded because then you're just going to be miserable. You're just going to resent it and you're going to be miserable to be around. Well, but it's yeah. difficult not to because yeah. it is something that you have to keep with for years and years yeah. and go through so much failure first. Sure. And let's be real about it. I was jaded about this fucking business on Monday and Tuesday this week. Yeah. like it, Like it's a constant battle where you're just like, Monday, mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to get on a rooftop and start like you know unloading on people. I was so yeah. pissed off, and it's yeah. you have to be able to sort of figure out a way to check yourself. And I think a bit someone was telling me I was what show was I doing? I was doing a podcast for something, and they're like, "What are your hobbies?" And this was a while ago, and I'm like, 
well, I like to watch movies and like, yeah, but that's still part of the business. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> exactly. What are your hobbies? And I'm like, well, I don't fucking know if I have a hobby. And they're yeah. like, you need something else. Like you need something that's more rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's food. So when I cook, uh, whenever I make a meal, I always consider it like a, a mini movie. It's the same thing. Like I'm going yeah. to design an emotional experience for you. Uh, I may not be using, well, I still am using sound and, and sight because, you know, the atmosphere ASMR, plays. baby. Yeah. Hear that sizzle? ASMR. Oh. Oof. Gross. <laughs> uh, gross. <laughs> but, you know, it comes down to, like, you know, still playing with the senses and, like, mm -hmm. smell and, and yeah. taste. And so a good meal to me is, like, doing a really great movie. So it's, like, the microcosm of that. Uh -huh. And so for, you know, that's what got me through the pandemic. Um is just making these little meals and sharing them with people. And yeah, that's that's why safe. I love to cook. Yep, the same thing. You get it's you're also serving someone else uh -huh. outside of yourself too, mm -hmm. which is lovely. Um, so speaking of horror, <laughs> the mm -hmm. horror of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, your twenty twenty two goal of making your first feature film. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what your film is about, but also just like, what is it like right now in this process for you? Well, it's a weird thing. Like I've got two movies in development right now. So I've got um, 12 cam is in development with uh, Ridley Scott's company. So with Scott Free, which is pretty oh, amazing. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Congrats. Well, it's, it's a long fucking process. Yeah. So just cause you're like in bed with these guys, it doesn't mean it's gonna happen in the next seven years. It's just this long drawn out mm. thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we got another movie, which I'm not allowed to give too many details away on, but there's this other film that we're producing right now that I think is going to happen first, which is great. Um, <clears throat> but it's <sighs> the discouraging part of this business is that everything takes so long. Mm -hmm. Everything takes so long to happen. And when you start to assess it, you're like, why the fuck is this taking forever? And mm -hmm. you start to pull it apart. You start to see... It all comes down to communication, and mm. communication between people has gotten worse with uh, the internet and with um, texting and with all these different ways of doing stuff. So now to get a phone call, now to get on the phone or get a, a group of people together, it can take four weeks. Yeah. To And then you get on a phone call, and you're like, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about setting up another phone call. And you're just like, three months later just to get through three phone calls and <clears throat> in the beginning you're like okay whatever this is the way things play but then after yeah. a while you're sort of examining it going this is why it takes five years for a movie to get made it's because yeah. of like this slow slow process and i think it just comes down to um like tarantino i'm sure doesn't have that problem because he's tarantino once you sort of build an audience once there's a fire once there's an urgency mm -hmm. Uh, and a need to retain you, then mm -hmm. I think things start to speed up a bit more. But when you're talking about making your first film, and this isn't just me, like all the directors that I've had on our, my show, we all off the air go, go off and we start talking about what's happening and we all agree upon this long drawn out process. Like I can't give any names or specifics, but I was doing a email chain with somebody to get access to something. I'm trying to be very vague. I'm doing an email chain to get access to something. And I, you know, I write out a big thing. You know, I'm just like, this is what I need. And this is what all the steps. And it's a little, little paragraph. I send it to the person. And they send me back a smiley face. <laughs> and I have like a bunch of questions in that email. Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Right. Does this mean that you've, like, you've received the email and you're happy that you received the email? Like, what does this fucking mean? <laughs> And in the beginning, I would just go, well, maybe they're going to send me another email and I'd wait. Now I just write back. I'm like, what does this fucking mean? Yeah. Like, do you, let me re-ask the questions again. And give me a response. And it's That's like so pulling teeth. Out of per people. my first email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do this or not? And then right. you hit a point where you're just like, you feel like you're yelling at people. Right. You're like, I can't type any louder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like what the fuck is going on? And mm -hmm. I think post COVID it's been even worse because people now are dealing with depression on, a, on an hourly level mm -hmm. where it's just like, how am I processing, processing my life right now? And 
I wanted to go hang out with my friends, but now I just got a positive on my fucking test. And does this mean I can't do shit for two weeks? Yeah. And so there's this sense of, I feel like everybody's sitting on the edge of a cliff right now. And all it takes is like a, a little bit of bad news and suddenly everything that they were focused on is just gone. Mm -hmm. And and it isn't just on the small end, it's on the larger end of things right now. So it's a really strange world to navigate being somebody that is proactive. I think I think everybody's allergic to proactivity right now. Yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, we're interested. We'll get back to you. When? When you put your fucking clothes up? When you get out of your pajamas and you <laughs> yeah. get, like, go back to work? Yeah. Like, when's this going to happen? I think it's just, it's wild to me because being in such a virtual space with communication and being able to mm -hmm. really have such instant access to each other, that does blow my mind that even someone as you has found that it's just been so hard to get responses. Mm -hmm. I get why to your point with the pandemic, why things just keep getting pushed back. Like people are like going into office and they're not going into office. Yeah. And we're going out no, now we're gonna hold off again. And that that I, I get, but just not like responding. Yeah. I've been ghosted for jobs time and time again this past year. It sucks. I'm like, just tell me. Just yeah. just can you just tell me? Do oh, I have the job? Do I not? Do I have oh. to go now start this whole process with someone else? Like just tell me. Well, I'm going to make a controversial statement here and say this is pretty much an L.A. thing. Mm. Like mm -hmm. East Coast, it wasn't this mm -hmm. way. Like East yeah. Coast, you, you get on the, the horn with somebody and they go, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. You don't want the Absolutely. slow death. You don't want the, yeah. yeah, let me get back to you. And then they don't get back to you for like three months. And you're like, okay, so you just left me bleeding out here in the parking lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it is, and not just in our industry. I just went through a fucking nightmare with my healthcare provider and literally had to like get, it was crazy. I had to try to figure out what the issue was. And so it's like you go knock on someone's door <laughs> and you're like, hi, I'm here. I have all my forms. I'd like to ask. And they interrupt you and they go, oh, no, no, no. Continue through, knock on the next door and you knock yeah. on the next door and then you knock on the next door. And then it's fucking Alice in Wonderland time where you're just falling down into this rabbit hole. And you're like, does anybody know who I am? Does anybody know what's right. going on? And the repetition of you having to say it over and over again. But also just the yeah. the the gatekeepers mm -hmm. that are put into place intentionally not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. And so then they're in that spot where they're like, I'm sorry, but I don't know how to do that. And, and you're just a crazy person. You're like, <laughs> who do I yell at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who Who is accountable for any of this? And it's very much a California thing. I'm very much a California thing with everything, including our industry, where you're just like, I get it. Who do I yeah. who, who who do I yell at? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was that, Yes. no, I completely agree. That was a long way. That was here. a long take. So when you're asking me about the movie, it's a big part of this process is dealing with that. And then also trying yeah. to figure out how to be inspiring and creative and not just be that grumpy motherfucker that's screaming mm -hmm. on the front porch like how do you process your anger how do you process your frustration mm -hmm. for how long these things take because when you're an independent filmmaker and you're doing it on your own like uh for who's there the short that i have uh my writing partner will simmons and i sat down and did an exercise and i at we were we were going from studio or from production company to production company with 12km pitching um, and I ended up going to a lot of production companies that I wanted to work for. And I was like, you guys are great. And I would ask them questions like, yeah, obviously you have a formula here. Like, what's your formula? How do you do this stuff? And uh, I got this formula from this great production company. And I went back to Will and I said, here's their basis. Here, here's what they do things. Let's just spend a couple days and play. And if we come mm -hmm. up with something, we come up with something. If we don't, we don't, who cares? And so we came up with the script for the short the proof of concept for who's there came up with the short loved it had it in production was shooting it three weeks later in a giant house with a giant crew had everything done two months later what was it two and a half months later was coming back out to los angeles because i was still in boston it's coming back out to los angeles to do more, more meetings with 12km went into my agents and, and managements yeah threw down a film and threw down a feature film script for a whole nother movie and i'm like mm. this is another one can we just do this one too 
Yeah. And they were like, what the fuck? And the speed <laughs> and the efficiency that you can do these things on your own um, doesn't translate into the next step. And the difficulty, I just had a long conversation yesterday. No, that's this. exactly what I wanted to also touch upon, like the, those differences, because yeah. now you're tied with what is considered a commercial production company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's different because I was gonna ask for us who are trying to go for an independent route for our first feature film. Mm -hmm. Like how is that going to translate for us in time and stuff? And like what I guess comes to mind for me is like what's our backup plan if we can't get this other production company or a sponsorship through another organization to get the sure. funds to make this goddamn movie. Sure. <laughs> you know? Well I mean it's a valid point. Like um I talk with a lot of filmmakers that have done two different aspects of it. And um, Ryan Conley from Film Riot, him and I are friends. We talk all the time. And, and uh, we were having this conversation recently where he's been doing the same thing I've done, where we did a proof of concept short and we're hitting up um, Hollywood production companies in order to make that happen, which was a great avenue for quite some time. Like you look at like uh, David Sandberg who did... Uh, lights out mm -hmm. and like shazam and all that that's how he got okay picked up i have the same management team so they found mm -hmm. him that way from finding his shorts and then he ended up producing a movie based upon the shorts but it's this long fucking process to get that running and we're doers like we're filmmakers right. and we're like i just want to fucking do it yeah. like, i just want to go out and do this shit and so ryan and i ryan was like i don't know man i think like if, if i can't make this happen i'm just gonna do an indie i'm just gonna try to do this indie thing but then I have a lot of indie guys that are on the show that make independent features for under a million, like 500,000 or whatever. Mm -hmm. They spend a year and a half doing this indie feature, which unfortunately doesn't have a name for cast in mm -hmm. it. They make a film. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are really great. A lot of them end up on a, on a second or third tier streamer mm -hmm. in their... yeah in their run and no one gives a fuck no one no one sees the movie right and then I, I talk to these guys because i'm like i get the pushback because i haven't done a feature yet so that's the the excuse that they give me where they're huh. like you haven't done even though you've been directing for 20 years you haven't done a right. feature yet um and so i'm like okay so how's it different for you because now you have this indie thing and they go it doesn't really change they just go to the next excuse on their list for why you're not allowed to make a movie. Oh, I heard you talk about this on the show. It's just like, yeah. oh, like you haven't directed a feature length before, so how can we trust you as a director to come in? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then if someone like us make a feature film, then it's like, but you didn't have a star attached. They're exactly. like, where's that? And we're just hoping with our show, our keep growing our own audience that we can just like fight through it. Cause I feel like part of it is just, you have to, just silence that shit of course. otherwise right. you won't even try <laughs> of course yeah and there's no there's no there's no guarantee on either one of these levels and i think that you have to make a decision that feels right for you in that moment and then you just have to commit to it mm -hmm. and then you have to understand like if i was to because i might if i if i got frustrated i'm like fuck it i'm going to make a a, a feature on my own i'm going to do a smaller indie, indie feature I would have to sort of accept the fact that it may not change my position, mm -hmm. but I'm going to learn so much through the process of doing this. I'm gonna be filling most of my time now with doing something creative again. Yeah. And so I think it's a soul thing to a certain extent. And it may, like if, if I continue to have this drawn out process, I may need to do some sort of soul thing again where I'm like, I was talking because I've been I've been going to a therapist about a lot of this crap. I was talking to my therapist <laughs> about it recently, and I never thought I'd be the guy that said that. Um, and I said to her, "I'm like, um, yeah, I gotta fucking direct something." And she's like, "Why?" And I go, "Because if I'm not directing, then I'm not a director." Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, "Where did that come from?" I go, "I don't know. It's just an unspoken rule. Yeah, like yeah. if I like if I'm." How do I say that I'm a firefighter if I'm not like throwing on gear and running into a house and fucking doing firefighting stuff? And she's like, why did you put that rule on yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. Like it, it, when I was younger, I did that to motivate myself because I need to be motivated. Like, why am I not painting houses anymore? I have to earn this. Like every day mm -hmm. I have to do something that earns this. 
I said that that mindset got me through the first you know 15 years of my career and made sure that I was teaching myself and I taught all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, well, yeah, it worked then, but now you're at a whole new level of like it's not about how well you are, it's not about how good you are. There are all these other factors beyond your control. There are all these other things that are gatekeeping you from making this thing. So why are you putting that stress on yourself that you need to be directing to be a director? You've been doing this for fucking 20 years. Yeah. Like you're, At that you're, point, you're you a are a director. <laughs> yeah. And that, this was like, this was a breakthrough like fucking like two weeks ago. So, yeah. So, you <laughs> Cheers know, you, to that. You have that moment where you're like, oh, I guess maybe, maybe is that right? I don't know. Maybe you're right about this. It's weird. Well, um, yeah, you know. that like, especially for us who are starting, it feels like, God, we have the show, like we need to make our first feature film. Otherwise, sure. who the fuck are we to be talking about this stuff? Well, it, sure. it, like 1000% we feel the same pressure on a different in a different way. But yes, to your therapist's point, like you've been doing like you have been actively doing it for so long. So it's just like the industry and I feel like directing comes in different forms too. It's not mm -hmm. just on when you are sitting with an actor doing it. It's, it's in the different ways you do life, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. do and view life. So that's just who you are. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was a weird moment. And it's so strange that <laughs> it's so strange that I'm now in therapy to deal with how destructive this industry is to your soul. And so, um, it's weird, man. It's a it's a it's a weird game of trying not to get lost in all this craziness and then still stay creative and still be making stuff. And um, so to your point about whether or not you should make a feature, if it's a great if it's a great idea, if you're very fucking into it, then, yeah. then make the goddamn thing. Yeah. And and you just don't know how it's going to be received. Yeah. You just you don't know. So just embrace that shit and mm -hmm. just make something fucking cool, like. I think that's fun. And then in the back end of it, you'll step out with a sense of confidence. You'll step out with such great, like some of my favorite memories are just being on set and, and just like being in, in these rooms with these teams and these crews and these people that you love and these people that have decided that, that your dumb idea is worth their fucking time. Mm -hmm. And, and, I've just, you know, with like tears in my eyes, been in, in rooms mm -hmm. with people and seeing people hustle and, and, and work together and discover things together. I mean, the last time I did it, I remember I was on the set with my cinematographer, who's a longtime collaborator and a good friend of mine. And he just looks at me and he goes, I wish we were doing this for like four weeks, five weeks. That on a good set, that is yeah. what happens. It's like, we're family now, like, yeah. I don't wanna leave. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't get to do this tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, at this point, look, I wanna make a great movie. I wanna tell a good story. It's in, it's in my blood to do that. That's what I would like to do, but that's not why I'm doing this anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wanna do this to have those experiences. I, I wanna do this to, to live that again. Because you get a little taste of that. And when you guys do your thing, you gotta get a fucking taste of that. Right. And then you come out of the back end, you're like, this isn't my no this isn't every day. This isn't what I get all the time. And so right. then like a drug addict, you're you're back on the streets again and you're like, I I gotta fucking get back there again. I gotta <laughs> I gotta make this thing happen. And yeah. um and so you just you you try to hold on to it because oftentimes it, it it takes so long to get back there. And so you just remembering, you're remembering like that. This is what it is moment yeah in love with the process guys in love with the process yeah come listen to this crazy guy talk about his <laughs> shit <laughs> it's so true though that is that is again what um another film director of ours shout out to chris helms i'm gonna say his name wrong that's enough. chris heck <laughs> i got you chris heck heck of a guy um he he said the same thing that was his like big epiphany through the pandemic i think as well it's just like we need to enjoy this process otherwise why are we doing this yeah yeah and yeah it could be frustrating too when you do have like for me it's moments of right now deep in rewrites like the 10th rewrite of our feature film script and i'm like is this shit even good i'm going mm -hmm. crazy mm -hmm. now and then when you get over that hurdle you're like no, this is awesome. Like, okay, I love this world. I love these characters. And I think 
I guess maybe the trick is finding those reminders to remind mm -hmm. yourself like, okay, why do I love mm -hmm. this? You know, why do I love the story? What is the goal that I'm going for? So when we have that taste of that to ourselves, we can look back and be like, it's for that, it's, we work for that. And it's not just that moment itself that matters too at the yeah. end of it. Well, so have you guys, have you directed anything yet? Have you have you been on the sets to do that stuff yet? Shorts, so shorts. very small okay, shorts. Okay, so yes. shorts are good. There's nothing wrong with shorts, shorts are good. All right, so yeah, like this, there's so many really interesting stages uh, along the way where, to your point where you're like, is this good anymore and what am I doing? Um, I remember the first time I screened a film to an audience, right? And it's very weird. Yeah. Like it, it's this weird moment where like you're in a room with strangers. <laughs> My face just went panic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but here's the here's the thing. Let me see if I can solve that for you. It okay. isn't about it isn't about being panicked. Here's the way to process it. I love it because what happens is when you're just in that space with people, mm -hmm. for, something happens chemically where suddenly all the fucking blinders that you have mm -hmm. had on your piece, all those moments where you're like, "This is good," or "No one's gonna care," or "I needed to add three more shots or exposition to explain who this character is." all that suddenly goes the fuck away. And if you sit in an audience with people, I don't even look at the people around me. I just sit there and I see it with their eyes. And I'm like, ah, this was wrong. And I was an asshole about this and this isn't right. And all this stuff. And so the first time I had that happen, we had a movie, well, the first big time, I had a movie in, in uh, Trauma Dance. And I went and I watched this, this audience and I went, ooh, okay. And I, I walked out of the movie and I went, ah, I really fucked up a lot of those things. I wish I had this earlier. I wish I didn't experience this in the end. Yeah. I wish I, I had mm. a method to experience this earlier on. Mm -hmm. And so since then, when I go through the process of editing, I now bring certain folks into my edit room oh. at different stages, A, to get their feedback, but B, also to see it through their eyes. So like I'll be That's in smart. the room and I'll go like, so smart. Ah, 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 so that it starts to change things. Just like someone reading your script, like right, it's, it's exactly the same thing, but visually. Right. Well, I mean, there's something weird when you're reading a script. It's different because it's a very personal thing, and that one person. And I always hate asking people to read my scripts because it's a real fucking emotional commitment for mm -hmm. somebody to like go through, especially a feature. It's like, mm -hmm. can you take most of your oh, day, yeah, to mm -hmm. read this thing that's probably shitty, and you know, uh, but. Uh, for film stuff, for anybody, people love watching things and people love being a part of the process of watching things. Uh -huh. And I think one of the big reasons why I, I don't dump my movies on Instagram or mm. not Instagram, on YouTube. So you can't see 12 cam online. You can't see who's there online. The only way you can see those movies is if you write to me and say, send me your three favorite horror movies. And if I agree with you, then I'll send you a link. <laughs> love it. <laughs> And the reason I do that is because now we have a personal connection. Yeah. Now there's invested interest into mm -hmm. it. So you're actually going to watch this thing differently. I love to do that in real life too. I would prefer to be doing that in real life just because I'm getting something from it. Yeah. You know? And so at one of the things that I noticed when I was screening stuff to get back to your script point was that I had a bunch of jokes in my original script, a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. that you read it a thousand times. You're like, this is trash. I, yeah. This is After trash. After the, the 10th time, I'm just like, is this even funny? It's like, Why am I trying? Right. Who but then she? you screen it in an audience and then people laugh at that joke, which is an old <laughs> joke for you. That's like a joke you made two years ago. Yeah. And people are laughing at you go, oh shit. Yeah, that's right. It was funny. That is yeah. a funny yeah. fucking joke. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that is so smart i i love your your take though on, on bringing someone in for editing i really really do i think that's really smart and do you would you recommend when you do the screenings and viewings that's something you have to include in i assume your post-production like budget like the post post sure budget. sure yeah, yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of when you think about a budget <clears throat> uh people are are always hunting for production budget Right? because you have to get it done. So you're like, yeah. how much is this going to cost to right. shoot? How much is this going to cost for any of that stuff? But you got to remember there, you need to have a lot of uh, back-end budget as well for mm -hmm. like promotions. Yeah. It's it's actually worth your while to think about how are we going to promote this fucking thing? 
and who's going to promote this thing and how much is that going to cost because you can make the best movie in the fucking world and no one's going to see it. And we live in a time where there is a sea of content, like just continuous content. Yeah. And so how do you do something that will stand above the rest of it? Right. Um, and simply, like I'm thinking about this now as I'm planning out my film, I'm actually, the other day I went through the script and I took dialogue from the script and I wrote a trailer with the dialogue for this, from the script. So mm -hmm. I actually went through all the different scenes in the script and I went, this is a trailer shot, this is a trailer shot, this is a trailer shot, mm -hmm. which is good because now when I'm filming them, mm -hmm. I now know that I think these are trailer worthy stuff. Yeah. And so I'm changing the lines for alternate takes for the trailer. So like someone may okay. say a line a specific way and I'm like, what if we change your energy on that line? And what if we do this hmm. specifically for the trailer? Mm -hmm. And so then you're kind of doing what Hitchcock used to do, which is like just film specifically for the trailers. So the trailers are different. Mm -hmm. And ah. so then if you're thinking that way, then you're not running into the issue that 99% of people have with trailers where they're like, why don't I watch the fucking trailer? I saw the entire fucking yeah. movie. I hate that. Now, hate that. if you're thinking about your trailer when you're doing your script, you're like, well, I'm going to shoot alternate takes that never even make it in the fucking movie Girl. for the trailer. So good. And so I, I bring that up because you have to be thinking about how it's going to be advertised, how it's going to be seen, how it's going to be put out there yeah. while you're making it. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what we're in doing our financial plan breakdown bullshit um that is very important and you should definitely think about this before shooting um and getting into it is like how much do we budget for that that extra chunk and it's hard as independent filmmakers you're like oh, but i know it's so important and, and well yeah like... but it, i mean you just go talk to the people that you would like to work with one of the interesting things about instagram mm -hmm. is that you can get in touch with anybody mm -hmm. yeah and so like if you talk to the folks that in the future you would like to work with and yeah. you start to build a relationship with them you go how much does it cost generally to do post-production on a feature film how much does it cost for you to do pr on something generally yeah and so then you sort of have all that in your head so when you're putting together your plan you're like can we afford this? Can we not afford this? Right. Is it worth me shooting this on this giant camera package with all this crew and stuff? Or do I change that so that I'm able to afford the promotion and the back end of it? Mm -hmm. But the problem that we make as independent filmmakers, the ego gets in the way and we're like, all right, I read this in a book. I saw this on a YouTube video. And we don't go talk to the people that are actually doing these things. Right. And when you and actually sometimes talk it can to seem them, scary, honestly. Like, sure. oh, who am I? Are they going to like you know, engage with me in a way. But I think to your point, you, you start building those connections and, yeah. and like- If you're, you I have people writing to me all the time, asking me questions on how to do things. And it all depends on how you phrase it. Mm -hmm. So like there are folks that phrase it in a very specific way. And I'm like, fuck off. I'm not responding to this email. I don't have the time <laughs> for you. I don't have the time for your shit. And then there are those people that are just legitimate and that are yeah. endearing and that are honestly trying to learn stuff. And you're like, yeah. I really want to help you. Mm -hmm. Social skills. It's unfortunately <laughs> something that you can't download in an app right now, but learn social skills. Learn how to talk to people. Like, learn how to, that's how we get sponsors for the shows and shit. Like, yeah. you call people. You don't just write them an email. You call them and go like, this is my passion. This is what I'm excited yeah. about. And people will surround you and will circulate around your idea and want to help you with it. And if you're passionate about, uh, post-production if you're passionate about making a movie you could talk to anybody and any they'll a lot of these guys are trapped in a closet somewhere behind yeah. a computer so like you walk into that room they're like oh you want to know about my life yeah. <laughs> you know? and you're like, oh oh you want to know about what i do oh okay yeah please come on in i'll tell you all about it you know that's true. yeah that's it's all true. a fucking process <laughs> every step of the way <laughs> yes it is very much so yeah well on that note in love with the process so listeners like we mentioned earlier and you're on all the major platforms correct yes. yep. Yep. okay so you can find them everywhere just yep. like us <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to share any other you know ways that people can get a hold of you see your work follow you all of that i know our listeners would love to hear that uh these days if you want to find me instagram is the best place so I'm on at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Um, if you want to, we're, we're pushing 200 episodes of the podcast now. Wow. So 
Um, I know that that can be daunting. So if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, I've curated all the episodes based upon subject material. So if you want to listen to the directors, if you want to listen. And the show isn't just a filmmaking show. The show is essentially uh, a show that celebrates anybody that says goodbye to the nine to five lifestyle. So we have chefs, we have uh, musicians. Uh, I have a bunch of really great comic book artists that are coming on. Um, actors and actresses. Uh, so inlovewiththeprocess.com is a great place to do that. And if you want to see trailers for the movies that I'm not going to show you unless you ask specifically, <laughs> you can go to mikepetchy.com and all that shit is on there too. So Amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. Mike, thank you. This was so freaking yeah. lovely. Thank well, you so thank much you. for coming in. Thanks in for the person, tea. Absolutely. For the tea. Yeah, yeah, listeners, we brought the tea back. We know you love it. <laughs> and my little pink flamingo yeah. cup. I love it. It's I know. Awesome. So, guys, thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoyed. We know you'll enjoy this episode. So remember to also watch it on YouTube if you're listening. Subscribe and... while you're there. Yes. Maybe leave a comment. Know, I don't know. You know. you know, whatever you want to do. Whatever. You know. <laughs> Tell us what you like, what you want more of. And we will catch you next time. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Woo. Thanks for listening to Femme Regard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 